welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Brada, brada, brada. I fly, bro. That is never stopping. Truck goes to the white. <laughs> cool story, bro. Footy pajamas. Hey, genius. It's three. It's two p.m. Central. PG3 Radio. Here's your host, Josh Friday. Get him off big, Freddy. Get him off big. Richard Mulligan. And as I put you down, my pants ripped. <laughs> it's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulligan, joined by my co-host, the man that has made Mother's Day possible for women around the world, and best friend Josh Brawley. Say hey, Josh. Well, happy Mother's Day to all you motherfuckers out there in Richard. Happy Mother's Day to you, my man. Well, I don't know how to take that because I'm not a mother. <laughs> you a motherfucker, though. <laughs> so I've been told episode 145, and we're start, starting hot, Josh. Starting off hot. <laughs> starting hot. But yeah, we've got a big show lined up for you today. Episode 145, we're going to have on the show today... Josh, somebody that we've been trying to get for a while now. We're excited to have him on. Um, he was a big influence on us, whether he knew it or not. I don't know if we want to put that evil on him. Uh, <laughs> so I'm responsible for this. Res- huh? Shut it down. <laughs> In the deepest respects for myself and my peers, shut it down. We get hit with a cease and desist. <laughs> and just stop it right now. But no, he, he ran the uh, South Street Comedy Club for the longest time. He was a staple in our childhood with the Buzz and Harvey show, and you can't you can't turn on a local radio or TV ad without seeing the work his company's doing now with Harvey and Friends. Uh, it's Harvey Boyd. Uh, man, we are excited to have him on. We'll have him on after the break, but man, we talked about this a little bit before the show started with Before the Mics. We lost little Richard this week. Was it, was it odd? <laughs> No, it was and, odd. And the I'm text not saying, message you sent me. I'm not saying like I have erectile dysfunction or something. <laughs> we lost Little Richard. I'm saying <laughs> we lost the singer Little Richard. Tutti Fruity. Which, which I always hated that when you got hit. Like when I got hit, you didn't have this problem because your name isn't Richard. But like when I was younger, I got hit in the balls. It's like, oh, it got you in Little Richard, huh? It's like, yeah, it did. damn. I, I wish I would have thought golden of that opportunity. Shit back then. Yeah, but golden I never, I never cared. But yeah, I mean, so we lost Little Richard and. Like the text message said, we didn't lose him. We know where he is. He's just dead. <laughs> That's awful. It is terrible. Like, did you see his last interview? Uh, the I seen where they where, said that he hadn't done one in a long time. Yeah. And then he did one not long ago. He was in an ago. assisted living place, man. Yeah. Which is kind That's of sad. Like, when you think about, like, all the fame this man had. To be to wind up in an assisted living place, it's like, man, you know, it doesn't matter. Fame is fleeting. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, because that's usually how people are. You know, once they're done with you, they're done with you. Yeah. And how much have you helped me right. recently? Right. You know, it and, is a what have you done for me lately type business. And I can only imagine how, you know, how famous he was. And God knows how much money he really made off of music. Yeah. But because I mean, you know, you're talking about like the, what, the 60s? Well, 50s, 60s, 50s and 70s, 60s. and, and back he then was still banging these, out shows. Yeah, there weren't these lucrative contracts back then either. It's like, you know, $175 for all my music? <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> right. I mean, so, but I mean, it's just so odd to see him like, you know, it, it really does. You, you know, you get this bigger than life persona in your head that's built up. It's kind of like when I started wrestling. You know, you'd see these wrestlers and you're like, oh, they were on TV. And even though, you know, wrestling doesn't pay a lot of money unless, you know, you're on TV or making money, you still in your head go, oh, that guy's on TV. He's probably making loads of money. That's what you think. And then you see him getting their like 1992 Dodge Shadow and drive away from the TV studio. The mufflers all busted up and shit. (laughs) Either that, either that, or they're saying, hey, man, can I get a ride with you? I don't have a car. (laughs) And when they give you a ride, it's like, you don't know where to get any crack, dude. Like, oh, God, you were my fucking hero. (laughs) And now you're shitting all over this. That's why they say, you know. um, You never meet your heroes. We had uh, my cousin Dwayne on, you know. He had his toe dipped in the music business, and he's always been that guy. He's always been fearful of meeting his his, his right, heroes right. because there's always that chance that they're going to shit on, you know, your expectation the legacy, the, of them. The, the legacy in their head that they have of this person. Just like our Mick Foley memory, man. I'm a bit, yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm still, I'm, I'm it over it. It wasn't what I expected. Yeah, and I'm kind of over that to, at this point, though, man, because I'm like, all right, he had his kid there. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I do, too, but, but still. But in my mind, it was Can't like. Can't go back in time. <laughs> this is a guy that we have. have <laughs> it's we like my the story? It was like my daddy used to tell me, I can't unwhoop you, so you better cheer <laughs> up. <laughs> that sounds like something your dad would have said to you. Oh, man. I'm just ribbing. Oh. <laughs> it's a funny joke. Though. It is. I mean, it sounds like something he would say. I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, though, man. I, I Only thing I really, because I came along and I was born in 83. You were in 82, 81? Yeah. 82. 82. The only thing I, was I really... conceived at an Allman Brothers concert. <laughs> <laughs> With Michael McDonald. Your dad was in the fifth row and your mom was in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> How's that work out? Uh, it won't what it won't. She was sitting on the hood, he was at the tailgate. Uh, but uh but no, I mean the only thing I do remember little Richard from was uh, you know, Johnny B. Bad. You know, that's that's what they brought him up. And I remember he was on Sesame Street. <laughs> that's where you know him from. That was the only thing I knew him from. And then anytime somebody talked about ice cream with fruit in it, they'd say a tutti frutti. You gonna get some tutti frutti? I think he had uh, commercials back in the 80s. That might be also where I remember him from. Because I remember knowing who he was. Obviously, nobody around me was banging his fucking tracks or anything. But you would always hear, Little Richard, he's fucking bigger than life. You know, and uh, I didn't know it till I got into rock and roll, you know, like... uh, kid getting into hendrix and stuff right. hendrix was one of that's where uh jimmy hendrix got his start was playing a guitar for little richard, little richard. Yeah. yeah i mean and you know if you hear some of his songs it was the guy had talent you know i mean but he always had that like i watched a documentary on him for some reason the other day like i found out he died and i'm like oh that sucks he was only 87 like felt like he was older you know <laughs> uh but they were talking about he, his right leg was three inches shorter than his left leg. <laughs> and he had a dad that didn't accept him until he got in the music business. Like he actually downplayed. Uh, I felt like, oh man, this motherfucker right here. Because you got a guy that his father just hated the way he dressed. though hated the makeup and stuff. And uh, he got in the music business and his dad gave him that, oh, that won't last. Oh, that ain't yeah. gonna last. And then he started making it, and his dad's like, "Oh, nudge. yeah." And his dad's like, "Oh, that's my son." <laughs> so proud of you, son. Yeah. So proud. Uh, I bet you are. Uh, yeah. Seeing that new Cadillac I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, seeing so your that, hands not reared back at me, it's kind of throwed at me now. But it did kind of suck seeing him with gray hair. You know, very thin gray hair, yeah. wheeled out. And you're like, man, this is. It doesn't matter how big you get. You always. Kind of end up the same way, don't I you? I kind of got the impression just from the few snippets of like videos and interviews and stuff that I watched here in the last day or so or whatever. But he would always work in, at least in the 80s that I'm seeing, he always seemed to work in how he never got shit from anybody in the music industry as far as like uh, big money, no kind of contract, nothing. And he's right. like, I've never won a Grammy. He was on. The Grammy stage presenting best new artist <laughs> of like, salty. Um, I think it was him and um, either Joe Piscopo or <laughs> So this else. was recent, huh? <laughs> Getting them both at their proms. Oh my god! But um, it was him, or maybe it was um, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You remember that guy? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the yeah. lead singer. Yeah, had that weird uh, Morrissey type hair. <laughs> it was him. He looked kind of like uh, that guy. I said Joe Piscopo, but. He he was uh, he was he was on there presenting best new artist, and he said, and the best new artist for I guess nineteen eighty seven or whatever. <laughs> He's like, me. I remember that y'all ain't never gave me shit in this ministry. <laughs> Here I am. I ain't never won a Grammy. I am the innovator. The never be the duplicator. You cannot replicate what I have done. I am the architect. The best. Hit him with a wrestling promo, dude. Didn't he? That's immediately what I thought. I was like, he is healing out here, dude. He is on fire right now. Did he get now. cheers? Did he walk off? With oh, the dude, award? everybody, everybody was fucking cheering. I when he vaguely was doing remember that. Because I, I think that. it was a big thing at the yeah. time. But why did he get up there and do that? I thought it was awesome. Maybe it kind of took away from the best new artist <laughs> moment, you know, in, yeah. the, in the sun. But who hell. was the best new artist that year? Bell Biv DeVoe? <laughs> no, it was probably like uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, it didn't matter because he stole it, so that might as well not have been anybody. Rich, little Richard for 1987. <laughs> 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 Woo! 
Well, all right, Josh. Well, we're about to be joined by Harvey. I did want to bring up the little Richard thing, but I do want to bring this up too. If you are just now hearing that it is Mother's Day, you have made a grave error. You're screwed. <laughs> you're, 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 you are royally screwed. But what better way to make it up to her, to your mother or your wife who has little kids that can't buy them a present right yet? What better way to make it up to them than a shirt or a phone case or some nice wall art? And you can get that by going to our sponsor, tinyurl.com slash p3shirts. It's going to take you to TeePublic. And TeePublic has all the greatest shirts, apparel, phone cases, you name it, Josh. It's there. Pause it up, Buttercup. He's calling. No, go ahead. So tinyurl.com slash p3shirts. Get your shirts there now for tinyurl.com slash p3shirts. Public sponsor of P3 Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, right now we are joined on the line with one of our heroes. I, I think that's honestly something to say there, Josh, is one of our heroes growing up. You know him from Buzz and Harvey. You know him from South Street Comedy Club, and you'll know him from, if you're around Jackson, you know him from all the local ads, TV ads, radio ads. He's got he's got this great company called Harvey and Friends. It's a pleasure to have him on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to P3 Radio, Harvey Boyd. Harvey, how's it going, man? Welcome, fellas. Thanks for the, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we are excited to have you on, man, and we have been just uh, killing time talking about Little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> How odd is that? That in 2020 we're talking about Little Richard. Yeah, who would have thought, and who would have kept that nickname if you were around now? You know? Yeah, I mean, like I was telling Josh, you know, as I as a kid, you know, anytime I got hit in the dick or something, it was like, oh, you got your Little Richard hurt, and I'm like, Jesus, I hate this guy's name. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't doubt that. Uh, I don't doubt that. So, how's things been going? So what are you guys doing for Mother's Day, man? You guys oh. taking care of moms and all that? Yeah. um, I uh, forgot when I scheduled this interview that Sunday was Mother's Day. I'd already had a gift picked out, you know, and my wife, I got yeah. her something. Josh celebrated it last week. Well, yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to let let out. Uh, I, I legit have been so screwed up from this quarantine deal. I've been off of work for a while, yeah. and pretty much time has stood still, kind of like you're in a time capsule or something. And me and my wife, we both thought that Mother's Day was last week so we went and bought all these gifts at this uh local antique shop around here and uh took our our mother's day presents over there to them and uh well the first mother she informed us that mother's day is not tomorrow but thank you anyways oh god that was embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> really embarrassing uh, it's the thought that counts though it's the thought that counts and just you know i mean you, you wanted to be ahead of the game that's all so it turned out fine Oh yeah. So yeah, that was what Josh was talking about. Our days and nights are mixed up. I've been working from home. Yeah. Josh has been, uh, what is it? Furloughed. I've never heard that ex except for prison. Like orange <laughs> right. is the new black is the only time I'd ever heard furloughed before. Um, but yeah, so we've been kind of home in the, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you kind of see how those Chilean miners probably didn't have a clue what day it was when they were stuck, you know, in that mine for so long. Um, no but, doubt. It's not unusual at all, man. I've been working from home office for 11 years now and um, there are many times I have to, you know, holler at my wife and say, what day is this? I have no, <laughs> what day is this? What, what month is it? I only have no idea, man. Uh, I, it hasn't gotten to the point yet where my wife's like, you forgot your birthday again. <laughs> it's like, so we, we haven't yet. got there yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked about it. You were part of the buzz and Re Harvey radio show and, uh, that show ended, uh, I, it started in, uh, April of 1998, but it ended, I want to say it was somewhere close to 2003 ish. 2002 um do you ever miss do you ever miss radio uh no don't miss it <laughs> <laughs> now if it could be done like it was done then sure but the way it's being done now no not at all yeah i mean that was the thing when we talked to buzz we talked about like you know when the format changed and when formats changed here and there it's like you guys were probably one of the most edgy shows even even for like new york like your buzz and harvey's your your uh, Opie and Anthony's. I mean, you guys were right on par with them with things that you said and things that you did. And you guys got a lot of away with a lot of stuff. Now, did you ever catch any heat at home or at the radio station for a stunt you might've done on the radio? Not too much. I mean, I mean, um, how do I say this? We, 
what was on the air was a lot of us, but at the same time, it was also still very much like um, being actors in a movie or or um, wrestlers in a ring. Yeah, I mean, um, I wasn't quite as conservative as I you know would be on the air. wasn't quite the ass that I would be on the air. Buzz wasn't quite as liberal. Well, no, I'll take that back. He was 100% <laughs> as liberal as he was on the air. Opie was uh, not quite as rednecky, and and the black guy was not quite as black. I mean, everybody pretty well just filled their role, and they knew that 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 was that that was the thing. So when we came home, uh, seldom do we ever have any issues at home with things we did on the air because they knew full well it was like being a you know in a movie or a TV show or whatever. Right. I think Buzz told us he was like the you know the whole time he was doing it he was like I was a good boy I didn't do anything and we had our opportunities right. because there was. He's like, there was one time we had a naked woman in the odd in the in the, in the uh, studio, and I was like, wow, I could ima- I could not imagine coming home and going. That was my character that had the naked woman in the studio. <laughs> it was character. I don't remember that there was one in the studio. I know we had there was there was an event where it took place outside, uh, and it was of course the good thing about radio is um, you could make it you could make it as wild and as as you wanted to because you were doing the play by play on something they couldn't see. So so many times. We would, we would, we would elaborate a little bit more than maybe what was actually going on, but it, it made for good radio. And right. what's yeah. missing today in radio is that the, um, not just now, but probably for the last ten or fifteen years, right. it's uh, the radio business is pretty much being run by and people who have no background in theater or entertainment or anything like that, and they've they've really lost their way when it comes to making radio an entertainment medium again. And that's pretty much why everything else has, has kind of filled a void that, that they're missing. Yeah. It has kind of come become kind of carbon copy. If you hear one station, mm-hmm. you've kind of heard them all. And most of the time they're syndicated. Sure. So you're, you're actually sure. are hearing a carbon copy. And I think that was one of the reasons why I would, me and Josh were drawn to your show back in the day. It was, it was different. You know, it's like, did that guy just say ass on radio? You know, it's like he didn't do the weather and the, you know, he didn't do it in the normal way. We've heard it thousands and thousands of times. Um, but yeah, you probably answered this question a bunch of times, but how did you get your start in radio? Um, wanting to do what my dad did. Uh, my dad was in the newspaper business for a long time. So when I was um, 10, 11 years old, I was making little mini newspapers. And then in somewhere in the early seventies, it got hired to uh, run a radio station to that and was around uh, the DJs. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do that. It looks like a lot of fun. So I talked them into hiring me as a janitor just so I could hang around and, and, uh, and watch the guys. And so while I was, when I wasn't mopping floors and cleaning out ashtrays and garbage cans, I'd be in the studio watching those guys and was just fascinated with how the whole thing worked. And then I would sneak back into the production room and, you know, do my own little radio show. And then at home, same thing. I had a couple of turntables, 45 RPM turntables, and I would, uh, with a cassette player in the middle that had the weather and uh, commercials recorded on it and would actually play DJ at home until I finally got a chance to do it for real and then took it from there. But the neat thing was that during that time of the, it was mid seventies. Um, you know, we had three channels on TV, so radio was still the boss. Even, even for for me as as an early teenager. So late at night, FM radio, which was the only thing you could hear at that at that time, um, FM really hadn't didn't come into come into play until the late seventies. Um, would would lay there midnight, one o'clock in the morning, listening to these big stations that would come in from all over the country. And you would hear those, and I was like, wow, so that's how they do it there. And then I found out that you could actually order air checks of DJs in uh, Chicago, Atlanta, those kind of places, and listen to those on, on cassettes. So I would order all of the WLS air checks of uh, John Records Landecker and Larry Lujak and Fred Winston, those kind of guys, and would listen to those cassettes and hear how those guys did it. So it was just kind of a combination of all of that that we're just kind of planting seeds along the way that when we did get the chance to go on FM and really uh, put a show together, I was like, let's take all these elements, 
create a group of guys who were very diverse and put it on the air and let us, you know, speak our minds and see what happens. And it just kind of went from there. Well, we talked about it earlier, the Buzz and Harvey radio show, which, like I said, was very influential in our uh, lives as kids. And probably one of the reasons why we do this podcast now is because we miss this type of entertainment, this kind of real talk, uh, you know, trying to bring humor, trying to bring just a little bit of levity to a situation. Our podcast isn't serious, but the th- this this whole podcast has probably been influenced a lot by the Buzz and Harvey show, which started, like we said, April 1st of 1998. And it starred you and another guy by the name of Buzz. How did you get hooked up with Buzz? I had done radio for, for quite some time and then um, had a partner named Woody. Mm-hmm. We did a uh, radio show together, a morning show, and had a just a, he was just a fantastic guy. And he, um, he, he, well, he passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And I just said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be on the air anymore because I really enjoyed my time with him. It just didn't seem right without it. So I went into sales and management, uh, which I'd always uh, been a part of anyway. Um, uh, to actually just kind of work on weekends and do kind of, uh, you know, the weekend stuff. He was looking for something to do. And, uh, in the, in the meantime, we would be in the break room and he and I would be back in there riffing back and forth and the salespeople would be laughing. And they're like, you know, you guys need to get back on, you, know, you need to get on the radio together. So after much cajoling, we finally, they finally did convinced us to do it. And, um, and you know, the, the natural chemistry was just there. Um, and we had the forethought, I think he mentioned this too, and that we, we did the broadcast from two separate studios so that we couldn't we couldn't collaborate on what we were going to say next. Right. So, so what happened when the microphones were on was, was legit. Oh, wow. However, I will say that. And then he, I think he told you too, that he would, he would come in at the last minute. That's just, that's just buzz. <laughs> right. Uh, me on the other hand, I would be there at four thirty, getting ready for a six o'clock show. Wow. I would wake up every morning at three fifteen get ready to go on into work and actually, you know, absorb all of the news and entertainment and sports, all the information that was possible because I felt like that at 601, listening at 601 deserved as, as good a show as somebody tuned, who tuned in at 801. Right. And so it, there was a, there was a considerable amount of planning and effort that went into it on the front end. Buzz was um, just genius in his ability to be able to react to things that I found out or talked about or whatever. And he would, he would get his information. He would get things the night before or the day before. Not that he wouldn't come in unprepared. He would just be reaching out to different sources at different times. I wanted to know what happened in new sports entertainment that was brand new, so that when we talked about it, when somebody tuned in, they were hearing information they didn't already know. Right. His was primarily in the music world. TV world, that sort of thing. And so he was able to bone up on that at night. So, so at the end of the day, when we would come in and cut the microphones on at six o'clock, man, we had a wealth of information that we were, that we were excited to talk about. We would just springboard off of that. There'd be some news story that happened, something happened to entertainment. And then we would give our opinions on that and just kind of bounce it, you know, back and forth off of each other. But there was a, there's a thing in radio that it's, it's like an internal clock. Mm-hmm. So that you kind of you, you kind of know when you're talking about a given subject that there's a that you know what the listener on the other end is 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 feeling, and after about 15, 20, 20 seconds on, so you, you, there needs to be a payoff. There's got to be a payoff every fifteen twenty seconds. If there's not some sort of payoff, then you lose them. Right. You know. So so also I mean th- these are all the little bits and pieces that came that that kind of formed that that funnel cloud of information that we would, that would, we would drop out of the sky. And even though it would seem like that it was haphazard and just off the cuff, there was a lot of planning that went into it. Yeah. You know, you talked about you and buzz being in separate studios. And I want to say that's something that we've kind of adopted here, not in separate studios per Mm -hmm. se, but when Josh comes in now to do the show, we we've started doing the show called before the mic. So we just start rolling. Uh, because we found out that in planning for our show while we're talking, 
we we joke around so much that you know we were like well, we're missing stuff here that we we can't recreate the worst thing ever is trying to mm-hmm. recreate a funny moment that you had in passing that was just random so we started recording that show uh before the mics just just to see if you know hey if something funny happens we'll keep it if not we'll we'll still throw it out there so people can see our process but you know uh, I want to say some of that was influenced by uh, what what Buzz told us about you guys having separate studios. Um, yeah, separate studios, and I would say that you know there was something too about about gathering information separately and not discussing it until the microphones were on. Just because if if it was something that was really extraordinary, and the other guy said, "What? <laughs> you got to be kidding!" that it was genuine. Right. It wasn't faked because you had already talked about it and you knew you were going to talk about that. And there's something about the, that, you know, the reactions being genuine that went a long way. Right. Well, the Jackson area has quite a few radio stations and they had quite a few, even back then when uh, Buzz and Harvey was going on, were, were you guys like uh chummy with the, you know, DJs from other stations, <laughs> but it was, or was it oh, like no. anchorman whenever oh, no. you see them out, it's going to be oh, a no. fight, you know? <laughs> it's like Oh no, they hated us. They hated us with a passion and, and, and we, and we loved it. I mean, it, the, the last thing I wanted to do was be chummy with anybody from any other station. I, I didn't feel like that. Um, <laughs> how can I say? Well, we and it was also the Memphis stations. See, the man, we there was a you know uh, there was there was a lot of impact from the Memphis stations that people in this area listened to as well. So we weren't just fighting against the Jackson stations. We were we were fighting for for audience share with the Memphis stations too. Right. And we started off from the get go going after at the time uh, ninety two and one hundred two were the big local stations, and 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 FM one hundred in Memphis uh, was those were the those were the big the big three that were eating up all the market share. And so we were coming in with zero. I mean, we hadn't, you know, we were just coming on the air and our call letters at the time. And it was sort of an homage to one of our favorite, one of my favorite stations growing up, which is WLS in Chicago is uh, our call letters were WLSZ. Hmm. That was the call letters for Z one Oh five. Right. And we actually ran billboards that ran three or four months before we came on the air that literally said, Dear 92 and 102, your worst nightmare is coming true. And so we, you know, we set the standard, you know, right away. And in response, they sent us some flowers on our first day on the air and that sort of thing. And so there was some, some friendly, uh, back and forth, but it got brutal pretty quick because we, we were, we were serious, man. We really went after them hard. Um, I remember one of the sales guys, I won't say what his name was, but when I told him, I said, Hey, we're going dumpster diving tonight. You want to go? And he's like, what? I said, dumpster diving. He said, what are you talking about? I said, just get in the truck. So we, we would take off at like one or two o'clock in the morning and would raid the garbage cans of our competing radio stations <laughs> out behind their, That's and get the bags of garbage. I'm not kidding you. And come back and bust open the garbage and go through the, all of their correspondence. And so we would know uh, days, sometimes weeks in advance, what their upcoming promotions were going to be or, or whatever. And so we were able to, you know, to jump the gun on a lot of things that they were planning on doing. And it wow. really, really pissed them off, which we loved. <laughs> and then we would record them, too. And anytime they had any kind of an on-air gaffe, any kind of a mistake, we would put a promo together that actually had their voices making those mistakes and go, why are you li-? and do a promo that says, why are you listening to these clowns? <laughs> I mean, these, these guys are pathetic. And it was just, I mean, it was crazy. You may recall when you would dial a wrong number back in the day, there was a thing that would come on that would go, the yes. number you have dialed, whatever, right. is no longer in service. Well, we found the lady who sounded very similar to that same operator, and one of our liners we would run would say, Doo-doo-doo. the number number you have dialed, 102.3, is no longer in service. <laughs> so, you know, we were, when we just went at, after them hard and heavy and, and, uh, tried to get, you know, tried, tried to one up them on, on every, on every occasion that we could. So to answer your original question, were we chummy? No, we weren't chummy. (laughs) We didn't like those guys. And we wanted to, you know, we wanted, look, if you're our competitor, I fully intend to put my foot on your throat and take you out. That's just, that's the only way I, that's the only way I know how to play. And, um, that's, that's how, that's how it's going to go down. One of us is going to be bloody and one of us is going to win. That's how it's going to work, right? <laughs> this is, I'm thinking, I know why you don't play Monopoly with your family anymore. <laughs> Not at all. But look, look, that's where it came from. My other family had a very wry 
um, punny sense of humor, very dry, um, very clever. My, my mom's side of the family, on the other hand, they were brutal, man. I mean, it was insult after insult. If they ever saw that you had a weakness, they would, they would take advantage of it and just pick at you to the end, end of time. And they were able to tell, to actually tell, they were great storytellers, great joke tellers, were always pulling pranks. So growing up, the influence of those two types of humor kind of led to that. And then it, it always felt like we were underdogs. You know, I mean, right. so, and so when you're, when you're always the small guy, you just fight harder. And, and, and to this day, I still pull for underdogs. Right. I mean, whichever team is not expected to win, that's who I'm pulling for. Whatever fighter is not expected to win, that's who I'm pulling for. Can't help it. Right. It's just, I think you either have that or you don't. Right. Well, you know, you said you guys pushed the envelope with radio stations. You also pushed the envelope with being on the air. Um, you know, even with the reunion show I listened to with you guys and Brad last, I think it was September on 93.1, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was starting to get flashbacks of the day because I think what, at one point in time you called a texture a jackass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. this is the first person that's ever cursed or said a word kind of close to a curse word on 93.1, which used to be good news, <laughs> 93.1, a full gospel station. Uh, the texture was just like, hey, put the, it, uh, he was like, hey, tell Harvey he can add that number to his phone. And Harvey goes, oh, is that how it works, jackass? <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, but is there anything you guys, like I said, uh, you didn't, you said you didn't really get in trouble for it, but is there anything, um, you guys might've gotten in trouble with fans about like what, what is maybe one of the craziest fan experiences you might remember or something like maybe a fan. I know uh, Buzz said that he had people threatening to come up there and whip his ass all the time. Uh, was there an yeah. event or something that happened in studio that you thought might've been a little out of hand or maybe out of studio? Like if you were doing these remotes, you know, I was real lucky. I think the, I think because of my personality on the air at that time, I was very aggressive. And so, and, and I was lucky that, that I had a voice that was base enough that, you know, if you didn't know what I looked like, you would, whatever you would imagine, it wouldn't be a pipsqueak. <laughs> so I seldom had any issues, I think because they just called the bluff on them. You know, they just pretty well figured this is a guy we don't want to mess with anyway. And they were probably right. I mean, because I, I you know, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play to lose. Right. It's not going to happen. If I don't get you now, I'll get you tomorrow. I will get you. So I never had an issue with that. We did have some issues sometime with some, on occasion with some, uh, a couple of local businesses who were a little bit holier than thou. And to the, and to their credit, I totally understand. They were just trying to, they were just trying to do what they felt like was right. And they took it a little far in trying to uh, affect us by, by, by uh, trying to coerce advertisers to quit advertising and, right. and that sort of thing. And um, at the time, you know, I kind of took it as, as an attack. Uh, but and back, it, they were probably right. And that was, that was a good position for them to take. And we needed some, we needed we needed some straightening up on occasion, which was fine. I mean, everybody does. That's why that's why the two party political system in the U.S. works. You got to have one that's really strong left, one that's really strong right. So that whatever's in the middle is probably the right thing. Right, and I love so, how. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, so 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 I don't have any. You know, I did at the time I was mad at them, but looking back, they were probably right. We should have we should have eased off a little bit or been a little bit more aware. But, but that's the thing, you know, there were, we had, we said a whole lot of really, really smart things. We talked about a lot, a lot of really, really serious topics. Oh yeah. oh yeah. We talked, we, we did a lot of things that were, that were spot on. I don't want, you know, I would hate to think that the thing that we remembered for is that we would say were a couple of words that were borderline, you know, but that, but that's what happens. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'll talk to people today who will watch a movie and the movie is fantastic. It's so well written, so well acted. They, they may have said a word twice, and the only thing they call out of the whole movie was that they said this word twice. It's astounding. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, you, you brought up political uh, sides there, and you brought it up earlier with you and Buzz being total opposite ends of the spectrum. And I didn't, sure. that never played out to me. And of course, I might have just been young and naive. That never really played out to me when I was listening to it when I was younger. Uh, but as I've gotten older and I've kind of 
you know, followed you on Facebook and I've been to the comedy club a lot and I've talked to you a lot and I've talked to Buzz, you know, hung out with Buzz a few times. It's like you guys are the exact polar opposite ends of the political spectrum. I remember asking Buzz, I was like, did y'all ever have any like arguments? Cause like now knowing what you, what I know now, you know, uh, do you remember any arguments that you might've had? Because it never played out on the radio. You know, politics really didn't, wasn't a huge uh, topic during that time. I mean, I think, I think things will be different now. Right. But back then there really wasn't a whole, uh, politics was kind of left alone. Even the late night TV guys didn't talk about politics very much. You know, it just re- it really wasn't, it was kind of boring. Um, and there, there just seemed to be other things more interesting. Now it's just like a top, you know, top of mind conversation for right. everybody. But no, we didn't. Now, did we ever get into it? Yeah, we got into it sometimes. The only thing I would ever that would really get get under my skin, and it was if you, if we ever got into an argument on the air, it was a legit argument. Right. Would be that I maybe had worked really hard on gathering some information, and he just felt like it was he would he'd make fun of it or throw sound effects in on top of it. And I, I <laughs> dude, I'd been up there since four thirty. <laughs> right. And out of there the information out and he's throwing some sound effects on top, man, it would piss me off. And, and, and he knew it, you know, and I told him one time, I said, I'm going to come over there and hit you in the head with a stick. And, <laughs> and, and he quit because he knew full well, I would go get a stick and I would come over there and hit him in the head. <laughs> that is, that is probably the most Southern thing ever is like, and it still works to this day. My, my mom could look at you me bet. and go get, go get me a switch. Go pick me. A, was that not the most yeah. brutal thing ever? Go pick your switch. I'd pick the small oh, yeah, one and have definitely. to go back. Uh, I'd always try to. I'd while always, you're out there, you're putting you're putting putting paper in the back of your pants or whatever to try and put some padding back. Yeah. I'd always try to get one with the most leaves so it wouldn't whip through the air. And it, the heartbreak when they'd rip those leaves yeah. off, it's like, oh, geez, she's figured yeah. it out. <laughs> she knows. Yeah. Oh. Well, you guys, you guys used to have like a lot of uh, big time famous people call in, like uh, for whatever you guys were talking about. Maybe you would reviewing something i remember you guys even had um, a few people come in to that to the actual studio and and be with you guys who would you say was your favorite out of all the the guest type people that you had on the show that were calling in or just came into the studio either, either or yeah. uh johnny knoxville was a good interview uh, from from jackass he was a he, he was a good interview very turned out to be a really really smart guy and strange Seems enough. I think Handsome Jimmy would be the best for as far as the in studio guest. <laughs> How could he not? Be? Oh, Handsome Jimmy! Who mercy, uh, Daddy? We when our podcast started <laughs> out, we were pretty much all wrestling uh, because I spent twelve years wrestling, and Josh's uncle was mm-hmm. the trainer for OVW, so we had a lot of wrestling material, and we've kind of formed the show into just about everything. But I think Handsome Jimmy's definitely on our on our list of guests that if we could get them on, we we definitely have them on. Well, you know, I can't remember at the time the the movie Titanic was huge, and I don't recall the, the the name of the song that was so famous that came out. My life will go on, or something like oh, that. Yeah, was that, was yeah. that what came out of Celine Titanic? Dion. My heart will go on. Yeah. We had printed out the the lyrics to that, and we were trying to get Handsome Jimmy to read it. We just thought that would be great to, <laughs> oh, sure. to, have, to have him do that, and. And he wouldn't, he couldn't do it. And as it turns out, he either his eyesight was so bad or the print was too small, whatever it was, he literally physically couldn't do it. It wasn't that he wouldn't do it. Right. I, uh, but that, I just thought that would have been hilarious to have him read that. I was lucky as enough. Jimmy. I was lucky enough when I was like 20 <laughs> years old, uh, to be on a wrestling card with him. Uh, he was just on the card. And for some reason, I don't know why it was just being young, being stupid. I walked up to him, shook his hand and out of my mouth, just come the words, you are my grandmother's favorite wrestler. <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh, thanks. You know, you know, you're calling me old now, you know, basically my grandmother had been dead for like five years at the time. And I'm like, Oh geez. Oh man, this is bad. Uh, just kind of stuck my foot in my mouth, but but yeah. no, you know, we, we brought up wrestling. Uh, one thing that I remember you guys did and buzz talked about it when he was on with us was the, uh, the wrestling at the ballpark. How did you guys get caught up into that? And do you remember going through like any like small wrestling school or anything like tr- training courses or anything for that? Yeah, we did actually. It was uh, at the time, what was the guy's name? David Hirsch was the guy running the, uh, the, the, uh, Jackson 
generals that were called the Diamond Jacks at right. the time, I think. And he was brilliant in understanding that people were coming to the ball game not for the ball game. It was everything that happened in between the ball game, in between the innings. Right. And so he did a really good job of of making sure that the environment there was was uh, was something in addition to a ball game. And he was wildly successful when he was out there. Of course, they've struggled since then, and that's I think that's why they've now they only think you just set off fireworks and that's going to draw a crowd. Right. But one of the things that they came up with, I don't remember who even organized it, was that uh, that they would we would do a wrestling match. And so yeah, we went to if I remember right, we went to the Courier Chronicle office in Humboldt. It seemed like it was that building is where they had a ring set up, and we had a couple of local guys train us some of the basics for mm-hmm. primarily for safety right. reasons. And um, and we we uh, picked up on it pretty quick, and then set up the whole thing and. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think Opie got hit in the in the back with a guitar, and uh, by some masked marauder. I don't remember who that may have been. And then uh, rolled Buzz's arm over on top of him, and I mean, yeah. And then so Buzz was the you know was the big winner. But we were always about trying to do something crazy like that. There was one event where, and yeah, I think you heard us talk about it on ninety three one when it was an Academy Award competition and whoever whoever won got to decide the punishment for the other two. And so the punishment for the other two, which was, I won. So the punishment for Opie and Buzz was that they had to wear nothing but a Depends undergarment <laughs> and had to eat oatmeal until one of them um, took advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> and those were the kinds of things, you know, looking back on it, I guess some of those things were pretty juvenile, but that was, <laughs> it's like when you, when you see but who it, does that, right. You know? It's kind of like when you see the court stenographer, write it out, it doesn't seem like it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. At uh, the time, but that was part of the fun. I mean, just coming up with bizarre contests and, you know, trying to do things that were outside the box a little bit and, and make it fun and entertaining. Um, that was what it was all about. And it's funny too, because, uh, you know, I, since I did radio for, uh, 40, 45 years, I did radio. Wow. They're right. 40 years. I did radio for four. About, <laughs> yes. Right at 40 years. Wow. And, um, people think that I know a lot about music. You know, they're like, I bet you kill at trivia contest when it comes to music. No, I don't. I mean, I know the first four seconds and the last four seconds of every song, <laughs> but that's all I know. Yeah, that was prep. You know, it's prep it's funny that people time. who were in the radio business, they really don't care. Any, very few of us cared anything about the music. It was everything in between the music. Right. And, uh, and you guys, you guys would always take breaks out. Like you wouldn't have the music playing much like in the mornings, you know, you would have a little bit of right. music, but you know, you guys were pretty much I always, and it was so funny because you guys were pretty much talk radio without talk radio. Mm-hmm. Like I remember as a kid going, Oh, talk radio is boring. I want to hear buzz and Harvey. It was, but you guys didn't make it talk radio. I mean, it didn't feel like the monotonous, the dry, you know, I knew you guys were probably going to rib on each other, probably give Opie a hard time, you know, and it was just fun to listen to. Um, And since we brought up the phone callers, you know, that was a good thing. The phone callers really made a difference. And then we had all these characters that kind of sprouted up out of the, uh, out of the show as well. Psycho Gamer Phil, Gimpy and Blackhead, um, Don Juan Bubba. I mean, we had several characters that we would that we would discover along the way that that we would introduce and, and feature on the show as well. That 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 were good surprises. It's always good to have them pop in for a moment. Right. I remember uh, you one time. You Buzz was talking about Bill Dundee. He said, "I want Bill Dundee to come up here. I'll, I'll kick his butt." You know, and you kept going. Well, he <laughs> listens. He's going to call in, and then five minutes later, we hear this. Hey brother, this is Bill Dundee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like listen, Bill Dundee was a character, man. I mean, I remember we were doing a remote somewhere, and apparently he had just had his hair done because it started sweat. He started sweating, and this bead of of black dye started running down the side of his head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like Bill, you're sweating. You're sweating black right now, man. What's going on? Yeah, Bill was one of my trainers in wrestling, and. uh uh, the last time I saw him, you know, I, I was wrestling him and Coco. This was like five years ago, and I'd already had a back problem, and it was just one of those things. I wanted my daughter to see me wrestle for the first time, first and only time. 
And uh, I got in there and I was working with Bill and Bill like barely can move around, like barely can walk, still, still sharp as a tack, but perfectly black hair of head of hair. I've got gray in my beard and I'm 35 and he's got a full (laughs) black head. And I'm like, something's up here. (laughs) That don't seem real. Yeah. Bill was always a lot of fun and he knew exactly how to turn it on when he was on the air too. I mean, quite a a showman through and through that's Bill Dundee for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, we talked about it in the open too, uh, for my 18th birthday, you know, everybody wants to go to a club on their 18th birthday. Like, you know, let's go out to the club. I'm 18 now. I can get in. I can, we can go dance with some girls or whatever. Well, that wasn't me. I was a comedy and radio nerd, and uh, I had heard, come on down to South Street so many times that my 17th and half birthday, I had pr- pretty much decided that when I turn 18, I'm going to South Street Comedy Club. So South Street was the first club I went to when I turned 18. Um, I was actually still in school because, you know, I have a late birthday and I struggled with fractions. Um, <laughs> and, uh, some of the friends, you know, some of my friends, when they would turn 18, that was like our little thing. We'd all go down to South street comedy club. Uh, how did you get that started up and, uh, how did you get your start in the stand up business? Well, when we, um, you know, I told you when we first started out, we were going after one Oh two and 92 really hard. And at the time Q one Oh two had two things that were kind of their premium products. One of them, believe it or not, was Gary Pickens doing the weather. And second was a comedy night at, at South Street Comedy Club. What we found out, so we wanted to create this environment that, that since we came on the air, all of uh, all of the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm feeding back on my phone here, so oh, it sounds fine. a little weird. Um, everything that was on their station was leaving their station and coming to us. That was the impression that we wanted to give. So we went to Gary Pickens, and we found out at the time he was getting like 50 bucks a week. And we said, we'll pay you a hundred bucks. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I'll switch. Then we went to the comedy club and we said, they found out they were paying that the comedy club is paying like a hundred dollars a week in advertise. And we said, we'll only charge you 50. So they so they switched. So the next week, Gary Pickens and the comedy night was over on our station now. So we just wanted to create that impression. You know what I mean? Wow. So, um, one of the things, as soon as we did that, Sharon at the comedy club, she said, Hey, since, you know, since y'all are doing the comedy night now, why don't you come over and, and say, Hey, welcome to the comedy night. You can now listen to us on Z one Oh five. We'll have free tickets every week and whatever, whatever. So I said, sure. So I went over there and did that and did a couple of just, um, ad lib jokes and people laughed. And afterwards she said, Hey, why don't you come back and do that again next week? And it just kind of grew from there to the to where uh, I wound up doing it more and more, and started booking the club, and then eventually bought the, uh, you know, bought the uh, the club the the entertainment part of it. Right. Did Did you ever have a night that you and were up kind there? of took it from there? Did you ever have a night where you're up there emceeing and you totally bombed? Is there one that sticks out in your mind? You know, I was very very lucky wow. in that either. Um, I had one comedian tell me one time that I had a very high likability factor on stage. Yeah. And so when you have that on stage, it's almost impossible to, I don't recall in 20 plus years ever having, I saw it happen a lot to others, Right. (laughs) but typically it was those who didn't have a good likability factor. It's entertainment is a very, very funny thing, man. In that, um, if, if they like you when you're on stage, if you're a likable individual, you can get away with things you can't get away with otherwise. And they also are very forgiving. Right. But if you're an individual that they don't like, then you got an uphill battle for no reason at all. I mean, you really do. Yeah. We've seen well, that a lot with wrestling. You know, they have a guy they want to sure. push as the good guy and he's hateable. You know, he says the wrong thing. He does the wrong thing. And you're like, I don't care. Let the heel kick his ass. I don't, I don't want to see him. Right. You know, it's even, even better right. that he did it. Um, well, my thing is, you know, I can take it if you don't like my jokes or whatever, I I can deal with that. But my biggest fear in a situation like that is total blankness. Yeah. I mean, like it's nothing more embarrassing when you're on a live feed or whatever, and it's your turn and nothing you can't, you know, you might snap back and get back on course, but that's always been just my biggest fear is just that blankness. Well, being in front of people. Yeah, definitely. And being in front of people, period. That, there's no doubt in my mind that doing stand-up comedy is the hardest entertainment form on the planet. 
because you can be a ter- you could be a terrible guitar player, a terrible piano player, or even a terrible singer, and people are going to politely clap. They'll at least <laughs> politely clap. Right. Nobody politely laughs. They either laugh or they don't laugh. And man, when they don't laugh, it's it's like a it, it's like the Grand Canyon, man. You just feel like you're falling and you're never going to get out. Uh, so there have been some jokes that have fallen flat and oftentimes I would go back and to see exactly what it was in the setup of the joke or what caused that. And oftentimes it's, it's, uh, it's just the, uh, you know, some sort of a fault in the delivery, right? Maybe you need to rephrase it need to, you know, say it a different way. One cool thing about doing stand up though, is that I was doing stand up comedy on stage and then I was also writing, uh, a column for a local newspaper for a while, a humor column. And then being on the air. And those are three very different types of. And being on stage and writing really helped the radio part a lot. Because oftentimes when you're on the radio and you say something that you think is funny, it's just because you think it's funny. Right. But if you've been, if you've been on stage time after time after time and you've said and there's a and there's a system to it you know there's a the, the the rule of threes and that sort of thing there's a system to comedy in order for things to to be to create a a laugh it's a, it's an actual formula and once you've done it in front of a crowd and you know you do a b and you get c then when you're doing it on the radio you know that response is happening out there because you know the formula. But so many guys who are on the radio have never been in front of an audience and they really, they think they're being funny and they're just not. Yeah. That was one of the things I always like to try to do in my, my events. Like when I would do wrestling, if I was the bad guy, I'd always try to do something to where I was made pointed humor at me. Like if I was trying to squash a guy, I'd land on my butt and he'd move, you know, and I'd grab my butt and run mm-hmm. around and scream. I always loved to hear the crowd laugh. Of course, when you're six, three, two ninety, it's kind of hard to be the, the comic figure of the group. But, uh, but that was one of the things I always wanted to do was I always wanted to try stand up. I'd write jokes down, but like what Josh would say, I'd have that fear of just going blank or bombing. And I sure. remember I was at the comedy club one night and you guys had a, uh, I want to say there was some kind of major TV show that was filming. It was like a, a last comic standing or comic searchlight, something, something where they were going to be filming some sets for this guy. And this guy comes mm-hmm. out and he does this stand up bit and like he like nobody I, I don't know if it was maybe the people were knowing that the guy was on TV or they thought he was being kind of fake or whatever it was. I just remember him just dying and I'm going, Nope, not doing this. Not even gonna even try to do this on <laughs> <laughs> What made it worse was the headliner, the one the guy that was up after him, pointed it out and he goes, Hey, if you guys don't start laughing, I'm gonna bring that other guy out here. Apparently magazines make him shit. I don't know what that's about, but and I'm like, Oh, he just threw him right under the bus. The guy had already left, but but man, I remember watching that and going, I can't I can't deal with my emotions if I have to get up there and go through what that guy went through. It's tough, man. I mean, of course, you and I would have a set list where there are certain things, and a lot of times that uh, there are jokes that you would, if you're watching it from the audience perspective, it, it sounds like something that would just ad lib. Oftentimes, it's not. I mean, most of it is most of the really good comedians literally obsess over each word in the sentence right. of their joke. I mean, it is a it is a serious serious business for people who go out and do that for a living. There are some people that come up there and just kind of, you know, they're playing with it, they're locals or whatever, and they're just testing the waters. But for those guys that are going out there and their reputation is on the line, I mean, all it takes is one um, influential comedy booker to call three or four others and say, don't hire this guy, and then they're hungry. Right. I mean, they're not going to get, they ain't going to make anything. So you've got to perform. You've got to make it happen. And so and so they're really they're really serious. Yeah. Um, but then you've got a heckler in the audience or you got somebody – who's uh who's trying to disrupt the show or whatever and here here this guy has traveled like the average uh road comic has been on the road for probably eight hours to get to wherever he's performing and you guys with having a rest appreciate this he hasn't i mean this is he's on stage for an hour that's the only hour that he's working that week that hour is really really important to him so if he's been on the road for eight hours up there to work for an hour and you got some Yahoo who can't control his antidepressant and alcohol combination <laughs> right. and he's disrupting the show, you can say, I mean, that's that guy's livelihood, man. 
Right. Yeah, you you actually and So it's a, it's tough. You actually brought in a guy that used to be a wrestler uh and I went and came and see him and I actually met him and became friends with him after one of your shows. His name was Chris Killian. Uh Oh yeah. He used to wrestle in Nashville. And after one of the shows, he went out with me, my wife, and a couple of our friends, and we were talking, and I was getting to know him, and he said, man, comedy's just like wrestling. You know, he's like, you go on the road, you travel. He goes, but he's like, I love this more because it's easier on your body. He's like, unless somebody throws something at you. But it's easier on your body to have to go up here and tell jokes. He's like, now it's a little bit more stressful because you're talking the whole time, but he's like, it's way easier. He's like, on your body. He's like, I love it. He's like, it gives me my wrestling feel without having to get killed up there every night. Chris Killian's a super guy, man. Yeah. I remember when he was still working uh, in the in the education field in Nashville and then doing comedy on the weekends. And it was after one of the shows. Everybody had cleared out. The waitresses were cleaning up. And Chris and I were sitting at the table, and he said, man, I really want to do this full-time, Harv. I said, well, you know what you got to do, Chris? He said, what? I said, well, you got to do it full time. Right. <laughs> he said, you mean I got to quit my job? I said, yeah, you got to quit your job. When you've got 40 hours a week to devote to you, you'd be amazed what you can do. And dude, he quit his job two weeks after that. Wow. And he's just gone on to do unbelievable things, man. Oh, I mean, definitely. he's doing a lot of TV commercials. He's still doing stand up on occasion. He's working for, I believe it's comicbook.com. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's he, traveling to um, to different anim, uh, different animated uh, movies that are he's who he, he is at a, a I think he was at in, I think he was in London here just recently. Yeah, I mean the guy's traveled all over the world now. He had a, he had a video clip of him interviewing Jim Carrey, and yeah. I was just like, wow, just blown away. <laughs> um, yeah, he did a Valvoline commercial where he was I forget what he made off of that. I hesitate to say. Let's just say it's got a couple of commas in it. Wow. He made really good money just doing a Valvoline commercial. So Um, so you mean the old? I think he won for the Tennessee Lottery. So the old business has money, you're saying? (laughs) Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. (laughs) So how did you? Yeah, he's doing well, but it all started right there, man. I mean, he said, what should I do? I was like, man, you got to go for it. So I still use that for a lot of other people, too. They're like, man, I really want to do X but I can't because I have a job. I'm like, dude, you got to quit your job. I mean, try this. What's the downside? Right. I mean, really, you may be hungry for a couple of years. You'll be all right. It ain't going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you um, go about getting like comics from different areas? I mean, I heard you say uh, comedy bookers. Is that, did you guys in the industry, I assume it's just like wrestling, you know, the guy in Chicago or California or something like that, or, like, how did you uh, you have to contact agents, or what was the standard deal? No, I mean, they would actually be contacting us. There was, I mean, we only had to fill 50 weekends a year. And <laughs> we would get 30, uh, 30 to 40 emails a week from comedians all across the country who were wanting to come and perform in Jackson. South Street was at the time a, I mean, it was a big deal. If you could, if you performed at South Street and and got that audience to laugh because it was such an old room, mm. and the audience was so hard to uh, to to win over. If you could, if you could do well at South Street, you could do well anywhere in the country. It was there were a lot of comedians who it was that was their dream to come to South Street and perform and do well. Yeah, one of me and my wife's favorite comics that I, I keep looking for and. I just knew he was going to pop up somewhere was T.R. DeGraw. <laughs> and I don't, you know, T.R. is fantastic. He was hilarious, man. And that was one of those guys that I felt like he could have made it somewhere if, you know, if he would have just done what you said, Chris, to do, just quit and do it. Because dude was hilarious. Well, T.R., um, T.R. actually performed at the, the comedy store in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he was around when, like, a, uh, the Richard Pryor era that, that, that time. And yeah. was, he was on the cusp of being huge and he'd be the first to tell you that he just doesn't get along well with <laughs> management and doesn't right. and gets along too well with things that maybe he shouldn't get along well with. <laughs> and it just, and, it, and he just, he just wasn't ready and it just didn't happen. But yeah, he definitely had the talent. I mean, TR, uh, is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember he came to the comedy club the first couple of times because he was living in Memphis. Right. And the first time he rode up on a motorcycle in the rain 
wearing sandals. <laughs> <laughs> Seems appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and he came in and he and he gave me his background. He said, he said, I know I, I know I hadn't talked to you, but can I just get on stage and do eleven minutes? I was like, eleven minutes. And I don't know, it was, uh, you know, I was a little bit, I was like, sure, why not? Right. So he gets on stage and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? This guy is bombed out of his gourd. <laughs> Hilarious, <laughs> right. but obviously high on something. <laughs> That's what I thought. Right. Two weeks later, he comes back and says, hey man, can I get another 11 minutes? I was like, sure. He gets on stage, does the exact same. So I was like, wow, this guy was not high he was not right. he's just genius yeah his bit that he, uh, he did a bit where he was talking about these privileged uh rich kids and his payoff for it was this thing where he took a pratfall and it was like i said we'd seen it twice and i laughed just as hard the first time as the second time he was one of our favorites and uh is he still around memphis area yeah yeah he's still i think he's dealing with uh, some health issues but but oh. yeah tr is uh He's still around, and uh, and and I, I think, if I remember right, he's making motorized bicycles. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty yeah. different. That I think when he was on stage, he used to say he cut hair. I don't know if that's if he that did. Was, yeah, yeah, so. he did, and he's uh, and he's an, he's very artistic. He's yeah. just a man. He's one of those guys that's just genius, and it's and it's hard for him to manage it. Yeah. yeah. If if any of our listeners are out there, if you go and look up, if he's got any clips out there, I, please go and listen to him. One of the funniest guys I've heard live at a show. Uh, like I said, he was just hilarious. But uh, one thing I do want to switch back real quick to radio. I know we're going to have to get you off here because I'm sure you've got Mother's Day event things to do. Uh, but one thing I'm going to ask you this loaded question, just kind of like what uh, Stan Lane used to go up to people and say, who's your favorite wrestler and why am I? Um uh, We've been teasing it. We've been teasing this whole thing about, uh, well, every time I talk to Buzz or anytime I get you guys cornered on a radio show like 93.1, when are you guys going to release some of these old tapes that that Buzz says that you have for a podcast, and when can I help? (laughs) Dude, if you you can find out from him when that's going to happen, have at it. I mean, I've given him the cassettes, and he's had them for a while. He says he's been uploading them, but I don't know where or happened. Right. Um, but but yeah, I'm more than I'm I'm as eager as you guys are to hear some of those. I mean, I really I really just laughed out loud when I was listening to several of the cassettes. I was just like, Oh my god, that's just crazy. How did we ever even come up with that? I mean <laughs> it was it was nuts to listen to because you just forget. You know, I mean, I, I was I, this before before we I called you today. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't ask me about any specific dates or anything like that because <laughs> no. I can't remember that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, my 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 brain is a is a huge front windshield and a little bitty rearview mirror. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff. I can't tell you anything that date wise. Just specific events and that sort of thing. So, so would but you be, yeah, check with him on that yeah. because I really wish that, you know, we could move in that direction and get that done. I think that'd be cool. And I think we're, we might be talking about a podcast in uh fourth quarter this year is nice. kind of what we're looking at right now. Nice. That was going to be my next question. Any, anything that you could, you guys could do now, trust me, I know you don't need little old Bemis boys help with this. Uh, but if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Cause like I said, I would be absolutely, absolutely thrilled to do a show, uh, with four or anything to help you guys do that. Um, that was going to be my next question, uh, was a podcast in the making, but, uh, my, my last question would be, uh, I know we talked about this in private. I would like to, at least before you guys kick off, be the first person to offer you guys a window to do a Buzz and Harvey uncensored reunion on our show. I know you did, you guys did that one last year on 93.1, but uh, bring you guys back here and talk to both of you and just kind of let you say whatever you want to say because we're unfiltered, uncensored. So it'd be kind of cool to have you guys on and talk about events where you didn't have to you know watch for the FCC rules. Yeah, man, absolutely. Just uh, just get with Buzz and see what works for his for his schedule and for mine. And he's a uh, you know he's a real busy guy, and right. and I am too. But we can always make time for something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love to have it. And uh, like I said once again, HarveyandFriends dot com. Uh, I mean, all over local media. If you have a commercial you need ran or done, these guys do it all: print, radio, TV. 
uh, consulting. Like, like I said, you guys pretty much do everything, right? Pretty much. And it just keeps expanding and we don't, I was talking to a, a company out of Atlanta that called us last week and they're wanting us to, to put together some, some things for them. And I said, when you go to the website, it's going to look kind of plain and it's because we don't, I, I really don't go out and try and find business. Right. I just wait for it to find us right. from referrals. And, and so that's, I mean, that's the truth, man. I mean, I have not gone out and sought any business anywhere and, and we are so busy. We're, we're looking at expanding, maybe opening an East Tennessee office soon. So it's, wow. you know, we've been blessed and yeah. I think hard work and, um, some measure of talent goes a long way these days. So, so we just keep doing what we're doing. Well, once again, you can find him at harveyandfriends.com. Give him a shout out if you need some commercial work done, some consulting. These guys are great. Like I said, you you can definitely tell which commercials they do. And it's not just because you hear Harvey's voice on some of them. You know which ones they are because they're high quality. They're great commercials. Give them a call. if you Give them a, a shout out if you need them. They'll be there to help you out. Uh, Harvey, man, thank you so much for doing P3 Radio with us today. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate the phone call and uh, happy Mother's Day to you and your Josh, that's going to do it for us today, too. I mean, we have went a little over an hour, and I've already halfway packed the wagon up. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, I mean, what a great show here uh, today with talking with Harvey. It was a blast to talk to him. It really was, man. And found out so much stuff that I never knew, you know, as far as in detail about a lot of things. And it was a pleasure talking to him. Hopefully, I pray to God we can get that uncensored Buzz and Harvey episode going telling you know all kind of cool stuff well if they want to follow our show on facebook twitter or give us a phone call josh what are those numbers and links well on facebook we are pop poncho you put that thing in your search bar and you will see our picture on twitter we are at p3 radio the number one and if you want to get with us the old-fashioned way send us a text message or leave us a voicemail we might play it on the show you never know our telephone number is 731-300-6675 did you say TV show? Telephone number. I heard telephone tele- number. I heard tele, and I was like, we got a TV show? <laughs> so you just tele- bite on that one tele, <laughs> and then you just you got caught in thought. Telephone. Well, let us be the last to wish you a happy Mother's Day out there. For Josh Briley, this is Rich Mulliken saying thanks for listening, and good night.